Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. It's the holiday season, and fuck this shit. (laughs) (laughs) What I want from you is an entire album that is just you doing that song... With all its different variations. In, in, its, in its different emotional states. There are many. <laughs> we've we've had whoopity doo and schmackity splack. We've had crack as whack. And now we have, and now we and have fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cold out and it's wet. It's like not snow. It's like wet and gray and it's like, you know... It's Christmas, but I'm poor and I have no jobs and like that. Yeah, it's kind of like meh. Yeah. Holiday season. But you're back. I'm back. Ken's in the Ken's in the closet with me. <laughs> which, <laughs> which if if, if you're the if you're uh, new to this podcast, probably sounds not correct. Um. <laughs> I well, there's the other segment I want is things we've said out of context. <laughs> Uh, that is a whole nother thing. That would be, that I, don't, a, I can't run for office because of this podcast yeah, ever because be, of the things that could be taken out of context on this podcast. A great way to get this show canceled would be a, a segment that is things we've said out of context. A great way to get me canceled as a human is to take anything I've said in this podcast out of context. Um, uh, not that I'm cool enough to be canceled, I don't think, but you know. Yeah, I guess in order to be canceled, you first have to you be famous. have to be famous. And don't get me wrong, we wildly appreciate the couple dozen of you who listen to this podcast week after week. It's amazing. It is so cool that we have fans who are so dedicated, but I really do sort of feel like y'all aren't going to cancel us. <laughs> I mean, if they haven't canceled us yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it is nice to be sharing a space again. In fact, right now I am recording this oh my while God, I am just touching my shoulder. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually been in this room a lot in the past week. Because I've been doing voiceover gigs, which is nice. I mean, they don't pay very much, but, you know, it's work, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, and it's work that you can do in your basement. Yeah, I'm literally without like... Without putting pants on. Sitting in this closet, uh, don't have to shower, and I'm making money, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's the beginning. Like, who knows what that could turn into. Well, that's the hope. I hope yeah. that uh, one day a 15-second commercial spot that made me $50 will then make me, you know, like... Five thousand dollars, or like five hundred, and then five thousand, and yeah. then yeah, no, just just keep on pumping it out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can you can become the voice of the Lifetime Network. Oh God, actually, I think <laughs> no. I have a Hallmark Channel uh, commercial on my demo. I was gonna yeah. say I think I have a nope. It's Hallmark. You know, same difference. Uh, they're, they're all the same. It's definitely thing. the Christmas. It's it's about the Christmas movies on Hallmark. Right. I was like, when I was looking for material for my demo, um, I was like, I have to do something along those lines. Um, I think my favorite one is the Nick Jr. one, though, because I 
when I smile and I'm like, yay, welcome to Nick Jr. Like I sound like the freaking like little blob that used to bounce around on Nick Jr. when we were kids. The one that does that. Yeah. Nick Jr. Like I was like, I can be that person. Now give me money. I can be that happy if you're paying me. If you pay me money, I can sound <laughs> just like you want and you won't even get the whoop de doo and fuck this shit. Uh <laughs> If you pay me enough, you'll never know what mood I'm actually in. <laughs> Although if what you want is whoop de doo fuck this shit. Then I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. My website is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're, it is the holiday season though. I, this episode comes out the week of Christmas if you celebrate and it's second day of Hanukkah. Yeah. If you celebrate that. And if you don't celebrate any of that, then... Uh, happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. Happy Krampus time. Happy uh, Kwanzaa. Happy yeah. New Year's. I think... Well, uh, we're going to have another one before New Year's, but... We'll have another one before New Year's. I think the uh, the solstice, if you are listening to this on the day that it drops, I think the solstice is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Which yeah. means it'll start getting lighter. Yeah. We'll have which... we'll have a few moments of extra daylight every day. Winter starting... solstice is like the worst day of the year but also a great day of the year because <laughs> it's effing cold and very dark normally i mean unless you're in a part of the world that is the opposite and of that like australia. australian listeners like when i lived in <laughs> australia and literally went swimming on christmas um in the in the ocean um but winter solstice is like the yuckiest day and then but every day but then you go but now it's on the now we're on the other now we're on the other train. Yeah. We're going the other way. So it's, it's good. Whether whether you like to think of it as crawling out of a deep dark valley or um you've summited the mountain or you're now coming down the other side, it is either the peak high or the peak low. Yeah. It's, it's it's the winter solstice. So everyone like light your candles and chant to the your, the pagan gods cuz you know they're the only ones that are listening. I'm pretty sure. Well, you heard it here on Campfire Classics. The pagan gods are the only ones. The pagan gods are the only ones listening, so you're wasting your time with everything else. So Merry fucking Christmas (laughs) and Happy Hanukkah. Uh, So welcome to Campfire Classics, where we trash major world religions like it's our job. I'm not getting paid. I did say like it's our like job, it's not our job. because it's yeah. our job. Yeah. And that's not entirely true because we have a small handful of loyal Patreon yes, supporters. Yes, we do. And if you want to become a Patreon supporter so I can get paid to trash world religions, then you just <laughs> head on over to our website, 5050artsproduction.com. We also have a Campfire Classics website. Just Google Campfire Classics podcast and you will find all you need to know about us yeah. and probably more. <laughs> So if we've offended you with this, then go to um, what's that fucker's name? Uh, what's that's that guy's name? The the one that Joe has, Rogan. Yeah, go to the Joe Rogan website and complain about it. <laughs> if we've oh, offended you, go to actually, Joe Rogan's website and complain. whether we've whether we've offended you or not, could you please message Joe Rogan? Tell him he sucks. And well, no, <laughs> tell him that we suck. Like complain about our podcast yes. to Joe Rogan. Tell him we're a bunch of like. Um, woke ass liberal hippie 
fucks. Uh, and tell him. And we're in the I closet. Said, and we're both in and the we're closet. We're both in the closet. And I said his feet smell bad and his head is shiny. Um, <laughs> yes, please do that because then he'll like mention us on his podcast. <laughs> and most of the people listening, I don't want listening to us, but some of them are like hate listening to him. So they'll come over and they'll be like, oh, these people are cool. Well, and if word gets out that Joe Rogan hates something, the right kind of people are going to go look exactly. at that. Exactly. All right. <laughs> That is, that's your Christmas present to us. Go bitch about us to Joe Rogan for the right reasons. Yeah. So we make, we, so we get the good people on our side. <laughs> also suck it, Joe Rogan. <laughs> and that is this week's tagline. Suck, suck it, Joe, it, Joe Rogan. Rogan. I think so. <laughs> well, I guess uh, we, it's not all that we do is like, you know, shit talk religions and life and and, and, and other far other more successful far podcasters. More successful podcasters. <laughs> Although I still don't know why. <laughs> I mean, he was just kind of the first. Well, no, he was just already famous. He was well, he was already famous for Fear Factor, but like he like he was one of the first celebrities to do a podcast, so it yeah. like people were like, "Ooh, what is this thing of the podcast?" And they were like, "Plus, he does a lot of like super douchey masculine things on his podcast, and so it attracts yeah. super douchey masculine people." Yeah, dear listener, if you are also a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast, I apologize, and I obviously didn't mean that about you. You're not super. And douchey. You're probably just one or the other. You're either super <laughs> or douchey. So you you might just be the super side. It's good. <laughs> um, but that's not all we do. What do we do on this podcast that's like not, not uh, We also that. trash political figures. Yes, we do that a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone saw, and I have refused to like look at the actual ones, but thanks to uh, social media and the internets, um, these uh, digital like collectible cards for for uh oh my for lord 45 i'm not gonna say their name because they're poop poop um and i don't want to put that in the algorithm uh but those digital cards i have not even seen well i've probably seen like one of the originals because i think snl put one up but the 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 uh parodies of them that are going up are, are fucking wild. fabulous and if he didn't see that coming well, of course he didn't see that coming. He I mean, like I, I was gonna like he, try he and give him the benefit have, But I will doubt. say that his marketing team, like, if he's paying his marketing team anything, they are overpaid if they did not predict this. I hope his marketing team is trying to get him like made fun of. <laughs> I hope they're taking his money and being like, "This is a great idea," and then they're like, "Yes, now give me my money," and you're a laughing. You're. Even more of a laughing stock than you already were. Woof. But the fact that people are actually paying for virtual trading cards of him is proof to me that the world is dying. <laughs> yeah. Although it's like, it's not that different from the, the I mean, it's a it's sort of, I guess, logical um, extension of the, uh, what is it, NFTs, um, which is something like non, non-fungible tokens or something like that. Oh, like crypto? Well, like crypt, crypto, but, but the problem but, with like so what I saw in SNL and like I think Colbert said something about it too. Uh, crypto is crashing right now. Oh, hard. So how about not put something out that is based on something with a thing that is like crashing, which I think we all could have predicted, unless you own crypto. And then again, um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> if but you're, not if you're sorry. trying, if you're trying to get out of crypto, yeah. I will send you my contact info, and you can just send me all of your yes. cryptocurrency. 
I will um, accept it. Uh, you can put much, it in our Patreon. Yeah, much like much like Goodwill accepts trash that nobody else wants. Yeah, you can send us your virtual money. Think of me as Crypto Goodwill. We're, yes, our Patreon is now renamed Crypto Goodwill. <laughs> if you're trying to get out of crypto, you know, feel free to like dump all your extra crypto into our Patreon and or coffee buying and whatever. We have not officially renamed our Patreon anything of the kind. Don't look for that. Don't look for that. Just again, <laughs> Google Campfire Classics Podcast and it will lead you to so many beautiful treasures. <laughs> Uh, but we trash political figures. Okay, we've done that. Now, yeah. now what else do we do? I actually, so you sent me a meme not that long ago that was something about. Um, oh yeah. Why? Why did I? Why do I stop looking, listening to podcasts? Because forty minutes in, somebody says. No, it wasn't. Uh, why do I stop? It's like it's, this is what we do on yeah. my podcast. <laughs> like it was like, this is what my podcast is. Is I like it was somebody that does like a science one or something. It's like science and technology, and they're like forty minutes later. Welcome to my science and technology podcast. Let's dive right in. <laughs> yes, let's dive right in after I've you know bantered for however long. Yeah. Well, so far this has only been about thirteen minutes before editing. We'll see that's how long good. it really is. That's that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. And we're already getting to what we actually do, which is reading short stories that get pulled out of the public domain. Uh and we we give a chance to these new up and coming obscure authors that nobody's ever heard of by reading their short stories uh live-ish for you, live-ish. sight unseen. Uh, we do cold reads, and we look up words that we don't recognize. We make fun of language that doesn't make sense anymore, and we laugh every time someone uses a euphemism for penis, whether it was meant that way or not. Yes, <laughs> because we're adults. <laughs> it's great. One thing we have been doing recently is a segment called Clown Corner. Which still no one has actually told us to shut the fuck up and not do that. And so, in fact, several people have said, said this we, is my favorite part. Do more. So I'm kind of doing Clown Corner, but I'm doing it for a holiday theme. So I'm doing Demented Santa stories. Okay. So Santa is a sort of a clown. All right. I'll go with you on this. I mean, like he puts on makeup and a wig and like... Bright red suit, rosy cheeks. Rosy cheeks. Um, tells people to sit on him. <laughs> he does. Is that what clowns do? I mean, clowns. I don't know. Clowns are scary. <laughs> anyway, I was like, we're gonna take a break from like like traditional clown corner, and this is this is also so our story today. I will also say, is a holiday-themed story. All righty. Um, in the tradition of the British storytellers. So Beautiful. it is a holiday ghost story. Fabulous. Um, Love a good holiday horror. By an author that we have only read once, but they are one of our, it is one of our favorite stories that has been iconic for us. Okay. Are, are you going to spoiler that now, or are you going to wait until after Clown Corner? I'll wait till after Clown Corner. Clowny Corner. But I don't need to cover this author's bio, because I actually re-listened to that episode, and I did quite a thorough biography of this person. Okay, cool. So, I'm Clown Corner and this are combined of, like, holiday creepiness. Is, Great. It's like, Clown Corner meets Fun Facts. All cool, right. Cool, cool. So, I got most of this on, like, 
entertainment tonight like web website <laughs> or some shit like um I, like this week's campfire classics brought to you by entertainment tonight yeah yeah i mean basically google creepy santa and like so there were true crime ones and i'm like i'm not doing those because like they're like mass shootings like done by people dressed as santa and i'm like nah, i don't need to bring that into the world so if you're into true crime go check that out that's not what i'll be doing so um First of all, we have Santa and his allergies. So a seven-year-old autistic girl, um, I won't, I'll redact her name, uh, went to visit Santa at the mall in uh, Mission Vallejo and was turned away after waiting 30 minutes because Santa was afraid of her service dog, Pupcake. <laughs> the dog's name was Pupcake. Pupcake. Yeah. Even when her family offered to set um, send her up alone, Santa refused because of his quote, allergies. Later, the mall said they were having him replaced by someone, quote, more compassionate. (laughs) (laughs) So just a shitty Santa. That's kind of what these are. They're shitty Santa stories. Yeah. Or demented Santa stories. So uh, then we have Santa and his personal space, (laughs) which I would argue if you apply to play Santa Claus or if you're still a believer in Santa, if you're Santa, you don't get personal space because once again, you your whole purpose is to have people sit on your lap. <laughs> yeah, we had um, reminiscent of the dog story, and then we'll let you get to yes, personal space. Ken has played Santa, which um, we have discussed on this. Yeah, before. Uh, but this I, this was not me as Santa Claus, um, but I was working the day that two uh, drag queens came in to visit Santa Claus oh, yeah. and wanted to get a picture with him with their pet snake. Yeah, you've told me that, and they did it, right? They they did it. Hell yeah! Um, there was some asking around before we found Which someone Santa who was who yeah. was willing to sit with a pet snake. <laughs> uh, I would have been down, but uh, Santa still tends to uh, be a dude, apparently, and they don't hire women, so whatever. Lame. Anyway, uh, so Santa and his personal space, a mall Santa in Maine was fired in 2012 because he kept making children cry. Now, now a lot of kids cry when they see, like, sit mm-hmm. on Santa's lap or the Easter Bunny's lap and stuff because it's terrifying. The Easter Bunny is far worse. Uh, Easter Bunny because it's got a full mask yep. on. Like, again, clown. Like, it's, a, it's like a weird, demented version of a clown. I've seen Donnie Darko. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is a little bit more than, it wasn't because the kid was scared to sit on Santa's lap. This Santa was going out of his way to make them cry. Good. Parents flooded the mall's Facebook with complaints. Like, he made my 11-year-old son cry, basically telling him he was being greedy when he asked for what he wanted. (laughs) One parent even said Santa put his hands across his lap so my daughter couldn't sit on his lap. (laughs) So she was disappointed. So this guy was just a dick. Sure. (laughs) Like, what do you want for Christmas? I mean, it's like the, the, the Santa in A Christmas Story. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. <laughs> was was this mall Santa actually Billy Bob Thornton? Well, so so like funny. I like I googled like creepy Santa stories, and one of the first articles that came up, which is not the one I ended up using, was real life bad Santas, and the picture was Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. which is a fabulous movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it with your children. But it's fabulous. Or do if you're ready to have that conversation. Or do if they're like. I would guess like 12, 13, like at least, uh, <laughs> depending on how uh, eye-opened they are to the world. 
Um, yeah, because there's some non-Santa things that you'll have to address, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so then we, we jump over to the UK. Uh, so it's Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Uh, so Father Christmas and his big secret, also in 2012, so it was the last one. So it was a rough, rough year for Santas. Um, a mall in uh, the UK, uh, Santa or Father Christmas... Uh, was let go after he told a nine-year-old girl that Santa's not real. <laughs> when, when I'm going to redact her name, even though it's published, when this little girl went to visit her local Santa in the UK, as her mother claims, quote, she got to the front of the queue and the man dressed as Santa Claus turned around and said she was too old for visit Father Christmas and he's not real anyway. <laughs> That's kind of like job one is you don't break that illusion. And I don't care how old the kid is. If a 50-year-old woman comes in to sit on Santa's lap and tell Santa what she wants for Christmas, you don't say, you're too old, Santa's not real. You say, come on in, what do you want for Christmas? Yep, yep. Um, It's kind of like, I mean, it's just a holiday gig. Like, sit there and let the kid tell you what he wants and say, ho, 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 Merry Christmas and peace. Like, I know there is much more to that job than that, but like, your one job is to keep the illusion alive. Yeah. If you want some pointers about how to get out of it a little bit when kids are asking for things like horses and expensive electronics, yeah. hit me up. I got some good lines for you. But, like, you don't just say, sorry, Santa's not real. Fuck off, kid. Yeah. Well, I actually saw an article, um, not to go on too much of a tangent, I saw an article recently. It was like, uh, stop telling your kids Santa's going to bring you an iPad and Santa's going to bring you a pony. Like yeah. you buy those for your kids because what happens is not all families yeah. can afford such extravagant gifts for their child. And if they're trying to still be Santa, like one kid will come to school and be like, I got a Monopoly game, which is fabulous. They probably, maybe they wanted a Monopoly mm-hmm. game. Um, and the other kid goes, I got a like a iPhone, like, 15. I got a Ferrari. Yeah. And it's like, and then they're like, why didn't, because that kid probably wanted an iPhone 15 too, but parents were like, we can't afford that this year. But then like they say Santa. So it's like keeping Santa magical and like about toys and like, like cute things and not about like the most expensive thing you can yeah. buy. If you, if you have the means to buy that for your children and your family, then do then it. Do That's it. lovely. But give it to them from you, not from this, this happy being that not all people get the same from. So anyway, yeah. I let, thought that was, let Santa bring, let Santa bring stuffed the sweet bears stuff. And, yeah. And, like the toys, yeah. like what things that children like, like, come on, you can get iPads for the rest of your life. Um, so then we have a drunk Santa story. So we've got Santa and the angry duck boat, which I know you love the duck boat. Fuck the ducks. <laughs> I saw this one. I was like, I have to tell this one because Ken hates the duck boat. Didn't one like kill a bunch of people in Philadelphia? Or Two something? people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so this drunk man dressed as Santa and they assume he'd like come from his job. Or SantaCon. <laughs> or SantaCon. This was in Seattle, so and I may, they probably have a SantaCon. Uh, he came down to the duck boats, and he demanded a free ride because he was Santa. Sure. <laughs> they said no. Um, and this is uh, so. Then he tries to sneak on the boat, 
And because he was drunk as shit, he uh, ends up like tearing down a bunch of the lights on the boat and like almost falling in the water. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he was breathalyzed. He was intoxicated. And it was a whopping 630 in the afternoon. Awesome. Drunk Santa. So it does. It, that does sound like a SantaCon situation. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like SantaCon. Because I'm pretty sure they start at like 8 a.m. And if you're still awake at 6.30, then whoo, yeah. wow. Although Lewisburg, West Virginia's SantaCon was pretty weak. Yeah, well, that, I mean, Wild Bean was pretty packed when we drove by. Wild Bean was pretty popular. We didn't popping. go in. In the evening. Yes. But they did not start oh. at 8 a.m. Oh, there was no 8 a.m. I think they were all at work all day. Wasn't yeah. it Friday? Was it a Friday? It was uh, a Friday. It would have been Friday, yeah. Yeah, so people had to work all day. They they knew it wasn't going to be a raging SantaCon. <laughs> and if you don't know what SantaCon is, by the way, listeners, go look it up. Or don't. If I, Yeah, just don't don't be in New York the weekend of SantaCon. Just, I'm just going to put that out there. Especially don't bring your family and children the week of SantaCon. Again, unless you're ready to have that Unless you don't want to be playing Santa anymore. <laughs> and then you get to go, look at all the Santas, because... Um, and then so Man, we, I'm gonna have to put a huge fucking like disclaimer disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Hell, I watched Elf last night. Santa is real. We just are not good enough humans to believe him past the age of like nine. It's it's. I believe Santa is real. You know why not? Uh, I believe in freaking aliens and ghosts. So why can't Santa be real? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm gonna ask. Alan the Demon Dinosaur to put this disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Hey, if uh, if you or someone in your family is still enamored with the magic of Christmas, wink, wink. A.K.A. special certain peoples. <laughs> um, maybe don't listen to this one with them. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, spoilers. <laughs> I think so. I think that's, I think does that's that, accurate. Does that work? Yeah, that's cool. accurate. Um, and then the final Alan's one. a bad editor. He's not going to move that to the front. You're going to hear that here. You're going to hear that late. right there. Whatever. <laughs> um, uh, I did find Alan the Demon Dinosaur when I was unpacking. He, oh, good. He is alive and well. Great. We can set him up down here in the studio. We, yeah, I think he's in the office right now. So, um, so the final one I have is Santa and his not so festive shots. Uh, also in 2011. Well, this is 2011, not 2012. Shot, 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 shot. shot, shot, shot. shot. Police in Berlin, so we're now in Germany, Ooh. reported a man dressed as Santa uh, and he was offering shots of alcohol in a paper cup at a local Christmas market. So, Germany. Great. Yeah. I mean, that is why you go to a German market is to drink some mulled wine and is or beer and to eat take, food. And take t- shots out of Santa's paper cup. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> I mean, if Santa at a Christmas mart, so this is, the, I would, I would question it. I probably wouldn't do it unless he was like behind a stand, like selling them. But anyway, this guy. I'd take a real close look and see if I happen to know that Santa. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy was up to no good because he was passing them out. And one 15-year-old girl was like, yeah, I'll have some. Immediately began throwing up and was rushed to the hospital where a blood test showed the drink had been doused. So we got drug Santa on the loose. Uh, eight others at the Christmas Mart also experienced similar symptoms. So he was walking around with a paper cup full of alcohol, which he had already roofied. Or something along those lines, yes. <laughs> Dressed as Santa. 
Merry cool, Christmas. Santa. And so this is how I'm ending this segment. Always remember, Santa is an anagram for Satan. Mm. <laughs> and with that, we are going to read a story by the infamous author of The Room in the Tower. Oh, my. E.F. Benson. All right. Called, and this is a Christmas ghost story called Between the Lights. If you want more information about E.F. Benson, please go to episode 24, which is just a fantastic episode, by the way. We wrote an original, like, song with it. music that's gotten replayed over and over again. And in fact, it's the music that you're hearing playing under what we're saying right now. And this was actually published in 1912 in a short story collection called The Room in the Tower and Other Stories. Oh. So. Great. Let's light this campfire. Between the Lights by E.F. Benson. The day had been one unceasing fall of snow from sunrise until the gradual withdrawal of the vague white light outside indicated that the sun had set again. Because it's cold and dark and it's the winter solstice. (laughs) (laughs) But as usual at this hospitable and delightful house of Everard Chandler, where I often spent Christmas, and was spending it now, there had been no lack of entertainment and the hours had passed with a rapidity that had surprised us. I love that Chandler's throwing this Christmas party. (laughs) Could I be any more excited? Could it be any more festive? Could it be any colder? (laughs) Could it be any darker? (laughs) A short billiard tournament had filled up the time between breakfast and lunch with badminton and the morning papers for those who were temporarily not engaged, while afterwards the interval till tea time had been occupied by the majority of the party in a huge game of hide and seek all over the house barring the billiard room, which was sanctuary for any who desired peace. (laughs) I love that there's a bunch of adults running around playing hide and seek, and all the adults that are like, yeah, I'm not playing that, are in the billiards room. But also, there's a tiny part of me hoping that none of these are adults. And it's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids. They showed up. They're reading the newspaper. They're playing billiards and badminton. (laughs) And then Chandler is like, like, let's play adults this Christmas. Everard Chandler is just the most mature nine-year-old you have ever met. He's like that kid that's like, God, I hate children. (laughs) He's like (laughs) 10. (laughs) Um, And... uh, Yeah, and so anyone who doesn't want to play hide-and-seek is hanging out in the billiard room smoking cigars and drinking brandy. I mean, it's England. You can do whatever the fuck you want. There's no drinking age. Whatever. Few had done that. The enchantment of Christmas, I must suppose, had, like some spell, made children of us again, and it was with palsied terror and trembling misgivings that we had tiptoed up and down the dim passages, from any corner of which some wild, screaming form might dart out on us. Then, wearied with exercise and emotion, we had assembled again for tea in the hall, a room of shadows and panels on which the light from the wide-open fireplace, where there burned a divine mixture of peat and logs, flickered and grew bright again on the walls. Oh, 
this sounds lovely. See, yeah. see, they all wanted to play hide and seek because they're like, it's Christmas. Santa's real. <laughs> Let's drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm how, tired of being 40. I Let's love that be they 10 said the instead. Exercise and emotion made them need to rest. <laughs> like, in, in fairness, when I get all worked up physically and emotionally, I just want to take a nap. And I love that they called it tea time when you know there's some like whiskey in that bourbon. tea. This is tea. This is toddy tea time. <laughs> yep. It's toddy o'clock. Toddy o'clock. Then, as was proper, ghost stories, for the narration of which the electric light was put out so that the listeners might conjecture anything they pleased to be lurking in the corners, succeeded. And we vied with each other in blood, bones, skeletons, armor, and shrieks. I really want to bring this tradition back. I love that, like, this was, like, (laughs) literally, like... So I almost did some history on that, but I think we've covered that a little bit of like ghost stories at Christmas, yeah. yeah. Um, probably at, during a Christmas episode, um, but like it started in the Victorian age, and I just think it's fun. Like yeah. I, I love ghost stories anyway, but like what a fun like pagan. It's it's from like pagan tradition. Oh yeah, it goes way back. It's like again <laughs> a shitting on world religion. So yeah, say I told you the pagan gods are listening. Let's do some ghost stories. So maybe this Christmas, since it's just going to be you and me here hanging out, having food, doing our thing. Maybe this Christmas we'll set up a camera and tell each other ghost stories. I'm into that. In the glow of the Christmas tree. All the other lights extinguished. Scary ghost story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm into that. That sounds fun. Great. I had just given my contribution and was reflecting with some complacency that probably the worst was now known when Everard, who had not yet administered to the horror of his guests, spoke. He was sitting opposite me in the full blaze of a fire, looking after the illness he had gone through during the autumn, still rather pale and delicate. Is he dead? He's a ghost. All the same, he had been among the boldest and best in the exploration of dark places that afternoon, and the look on his face now rather startled me. No, I don't mind that sort of thing, he said. The paraphernalia of ghosts has become somehow rather hackneyed. And when I hear of screams and skeletons, I feel I am on familiar ground and can at least hide my head under the bedclothes. Ah, but the bedclothes were twitched away by my skeleton, said I in (laughs) self-defense. I know, but I don't even mind that. Why, there are seven, eight skeletons in this room now, covered with blood and skin and other horrors. (laughs) No, the nightmares of one's childhood were the really frightening things because they were vague. There was the true atmosphere of horror about them because one didn't know what one feared. Now, if one could recapture that. Mrs. Chandler got quickly out of her seat. Oh, Everard, she said, surely you don't wish to recapture it again. I should have thought once was enough. Oh, no. What is about to happen? They breaking out the Ouija board? (laughs) This was enchanting. 
A chorus of invitation asked him to proceed the real, true ghost story firsthand, which was what seemed to be indicated was too precious a thing to lose. Everard laughed. No, my dear, I don't want to recapture it again at all, he said to his wife. Then to us, but really the... Well, the nightmare, perhaps, to which I was referring is of the vaguest and most unsatisfactory kind. It has no apparatus about it at all. You will probably all say that it was nothing and wonder why I was frightened. But I was. <laughs> it frightened me out of my wits. And I only just saw something without being able to swear what it was and heard something which might have been a falling stone. Anyhow, tell us about the falling stone, said I. <laughs> He's like, get on with it, dude. Like, the anticipation is good. Anticipation, great, because like oh, that's, he's he's setting up a story oh, that, nicely. That's what no, that's half no, of what a ghost story is. is no, that, I no, don't. I don't want to tell you. Don't no, make me no, sing. No, don't please, make no, me I sing. Can't, I can't. I simply. Oh no, it's such a terrifying story. You don't want to hear that. It'll, you'll be thinking about it for months to come. Yeah. There was a stir of movement about the circle round the fire, and the movement was not of purely physical order. It was as if. This is only what I personally felt. It was as if the childish gaiety of the hours we had passed that day was suddenly withdrawn. We had jested on certain subjects. We had played hide-and-seek with all the power of earnestness that was in us. But now, so it seemed to me, there was going to be real hide-and-seek. Real terrors were going to lurk in dark corners, or, if not real terrors, terrors so convincing as to assume the garb of reality, were going to pounce on us. And Mrs. Chandler's exclamation as she sat down again, Oh, Everard, won't it excite you? Tended, in any case, to excite us. So it's a naughty ghost story. Ooh. <laughs> He's going to get excited. Oh, Everard, won't it excite you? And now everyone's really excited around the fire. This is about to turn in, like, from an innocent, sweet children's, like, Christmas party to a Christmas orgy. And now Everard's, <laughs> and now Mrs. Chandler, Mrs. Everard's wife, Chandler. really wants to hear the story. Oh, but it won't it excite you, darling? <laughs> The room still remained in dubious darkness, except for the sudden lights disclosed on the walls by the leaping flames on the hearth. And there was wide field for conjecture as to what might lurk in the dim corners. Everard, moreover, who had been sitting in bright light before, was banished by the extinction of some flaming log into the shadows. A voice alone spoke to us as he sat back in his low chair, a voice rather slow, but very distinct. Yeah, here we go. Last year, he said, on the 24th of December, we were down here, as usual, Amy and I, for Christmas. Several of you who are here now were here then, three or four of you, at least. I was one of these. But like the others, kept silent, for the identification, so it seemed to me, was not asked for. 
and he went on again without a pause. Those of you who were here then, he said, and are here now, will remember how very warm it was this day year. You will remember, too, that we played croquet that day on the lawn. It was perhaps a little cold for croquet, and we played it rather in order to be able to say, with sound evidence to back the statement, that we had done so. <laughs> We're like, it's warm out, and then they went outside, like you do often when it's like, you know, winter, but it's like actually 40 degrees that day instead of, you know... 20 and you're like yeah let's play croquet it's such a nice day and then like after like one like hole everyone's like it's fucking cold but we gotta finish this so we can tell everyone we we played croquet we said we were gonna play croquet on Christmas so god damn it we're gonna do it just finish the game (laughs) then he turned and addressed the whole little circle We played ties of half games, he said, just as we have played billiards today. And it was certainly as warm on the lawn then as it was in the billiard room this morning, directly after breakfast, while today I should not wonder if there was three feet of snow outside more, probably. Listen. A sudden draft fluted in the chimney and the fire flared up as a current of air caught it. The wind also drove the snow against the windows, and as he said, Listen, we heard a soft scurry of falling flakes against the panes like the soft tread of many little people who stepped lightly, but with the persistence of multitudes who were flocking to some rendezvous. Hundreds of little feet seemed to be gathering outside. Only the glass kept them out. And of the eight skeletons present, four or five, anyhow, turned and looked at the windows. These were small-paned, with leaden bars. On the leaden bars, little heaps of snow had accumulated, but there was nothing else to be seen. Yes... Last Christmas Eve was very warm and sunny, went on Everard. We had had no frost that autumn, and a temerarious... 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 Temerarious Dahlia? Is that a kind of flower? Oh, temerarious... Temerarious means reckless, or... Ah, yes. A young officer of brave and even terrarious disposition is the uh, the sentence used. Yes, that does make sense. Yes. So, reckless. Yeah. We had had no frost that autumn, and a temerarious dahlia was still in flower. I have always thought that it must have been mad. <laughs> he paused a moment. And I wonder if I were not mad, too, he added. No one interrupted him. There was something arresting, I must suppose, in what he was saying. It chimed in, anyhow, with the hide-and-seek, with the suggestions of the lonely snow. Mrs. Chandler had sat down again, but I heard her stir in her chair. But never was there a gay party so reduced as we had been the last five minutes. Instead of laughing at ourselves for playing silly games, we were all taking a serious game. Seriously. Yeah. Anyhow, I was sitting out, he said to me, 
while you and my wife played your half-game of croquet. Then it struck me that it was not so warm as I had supposed, because quite suddenly I shivered, and shivering I looked up, but I did not see you and her playing croquet at all. I saw something which had no relation to you and her. At least I hope not. Now the angler lands his fish, the stalker kills his stag, and the speaker holds his audience. And as the fish is gaffed, and as the stag is shot, so were we held. There was no getting away till he had finished with us. <laughs> I love the I love the narrator. Yeah, he's like, we're so sucked in, and until he finishes, we can't play hide and seek again. <laughs> he's sucking us really good, and we yeah. can't go anywhere until we finish. Until we finish, yeah. It's see the the holiday orgy. <laughs> You all know the croquet lawn, he said, and how it is bounded all round by a flower border with a brick wall behind it, through which you may remember there is only one gate. Well, I looked up and saw that the lawn, I could for one moment see it was still a lawn, was shrinking, and the walls closing in upon it. As they closed in, too, they grew higher, and simultaneously the light began to fade and be sucked from the sky till it grew quite dark overhead, and only a glimmer of light came in through the gate. There was, as I told you, a dahlia in flower that day, and as this dreadful darkness and bewilderment came over me, I remember that my eyes sought it in a kind of despair, holding on, as it were, to any familiar object. But it was no longer a dahlia, and for the red of its petals I saw only the red of some feeble firelight. And at that moment, the hallucination was complete. I was no longer sitting on the lawn watching croquet, but I was in a low-roofed room, something like a cattle shed, but round. Close above my head, though I was sitting down, ran rafters from wall to wall. It was nearly dark, but a little light came in from the door opposite me which seemed to lead into a passage that communicated with the exterior of this place. Little, however, of the wholesome air came into this dreadful den. The atmosphere was oppressive and foul beyond all telling. It was as if for years it had been the place of some human menagerie and for those years had been uncleaned and unsweetened by the winds of heaven. Yet that oppressiveness was nothing to the awful horror of the place from the view of the spirit. Ew. Some dreadful atmosphere of crime and abomination dwelt heavy in it. Its denizens, whoever they were, were scarce human, so it seemed to me. And though men and women were akin more to the beasts of the field. And in addition... There was present to me some sense of the weight of years. It had been taken and thrust down into some epoch of dim antiquity. So he sees a ghost? 
He's, uh, he's a, a spirit. A bunch of lots spirits, of ghosts. Lots of ghosts that appear to have been there for ages. Like they old. Yeah. They 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 owe ghosts. <laughs> yep. They pagan ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> he paused a moment, and the fire on the hearth leaped up for a second and then died down again but in that gleam I saw that all faces were turned to Everard and that all wore some look of dreadful expectancy certainly I felt it myself and waited in a sort of shrinking horror for what was coming uh oh he's shrinking is it cold in the room (laughs) (laughs) but uh ching (laughs) I think he's just scared. He's nervous. And sometimes that leads to shrinkage. Yeah. Which, frankly, just ups the tension, which does not help. Uh Uh-oh. I wouldn't know, I guess. (laughs) As I told you, he continued, where there had been that unseasonable dahlia, there now burned a dim firelight, and my eyes were drawn there. Shapes were gathered round it. What they were, I could not see at first. Then perhaps my eyes got more accustomed to the dusk, or the fire burned better, for I perceived that they were of human form, but very small. For when one rose with a horrible chattering to his feet, his head was still some inches off the low roof. He was dressed in a sort of shirt that came to his knees, but his arms were bare and covered with hair. His arms were bare, but covered with hair. He's an old ghost, and he's standing over there. <laughs> That's good. That was an AABA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a lyricist, as you all know. <laughs> now, can you give me another one that's BBCB? Uh, he liked the fire most. He's a ghost. <laughs> then he likes to drink some tea. Yeah! Oh, but we didn't get back to B. No, we did not. Some tea with toast. Some tea. Then he likes to drink some tea and throw in some toast. <laughs> okay, we went off the rails. The first the first one was good. first one was lovely. first one was great. Then the gesticulation and chattering increased, and I knew that they were talking about me, for they kept pointing in my direction. At that, my horror suddenly deepened, for I became aware that I was powerless and could not move hand or foot. A helpless nightmare impotence had possession of me. Oh no, he has impotence in his dream. That's not good. Shrinking horror leads to impotence. Shrinking horror and bare-haired men. (laughs) Mm, Bare hair. (laughs) Bare hair. Rawr. I could not lift a finger or turn my head, and in the paralysis of that fear I tried to scream, but not a sound could I utter. All this, I suppose, took place with the instantaneousness of a dream, for at once, and without transition, the whole thing had vanished, and I was back on the lawn again, while the stroke for which my wife was aiming was still unplayed. But my face was dripping with perspiration, and I was trembling all over. Now, you may all say that I had fallen asleep and had a sudden nightmare. That may be so. 
but I was conscious of no sense of sleepiness before, and I was conscious of none afterwards. It was as if someone had held a book before me, whisked the pages open for a second, and closed them again. Somebody, I don't know who, got up from his chair with a sudden movement that made me start and turned on the electric light. I do not mind confessing that I was rather glad of this. <laughs> He's like, it's too scary. I need the light on. Everard laughed. <laughs> really, I feel like Hamlet in the play scene, he said, <laughs> and as if there was a guilty uncle present. Shall I go on? Ew, that's a creepy thing to say. <laughs> that's a really creepy thing to say. That's a no, great reference. That like that's a nice, great reference. good play. Like, good line there, like, dude. Great line, but holy shit. Like, what a creepy thing to say to your guests. <laughs> Shall I go on? <laughs> I don't think anyone replied. And he went on. Well, let us say for the moment that it was not a dream exactly, but a hallucination. Whichever it was, in any case, it haunted me. For months, I think. It was never quite out of my mind, but lingered somewhere in the dusk of consciousness, sometimes sleeping quietly, so to speak, but sometimes stirring in its sleep. It was no good my telling myself that I was disquieting myself in vain, for it was as if something had actually entered into my very soul, as if some seed of horror had been planted there. And as the weeks went on, the seed began to sprout so that I could no longer even tell myself that that vision had been a moment's disorderment only. I can't say that it actually affected my health. I did not, as far as I know, sleep or eat insufficiently, but morning after morning I used to wake, not gradually and through pleasant dozings into full consciousness, but with absolute suddenness, and find myself plunged in an abyss of despair. Often, too, eating or drinking, I used to pause and wonder if it was worthwhile. Eventually, I told two people about my trouble, hoping that perhaps the mere communication would help matters, hoping also, but very distantly, that though I could not believe at present that digestion or the obscurities of the nervous system were at fault, a doctor, by some simple dose, might convince me of it. This is like, he's like quoting, this is very Charles Dickens yeah. of like, there's more, uh... More of gravy more than gravy of grave, grave about, about you. you. It's like, was I just having really bad heartburn and I envisioned these gnomes, ghost gnomes staring <laughs> at me? Like, and now I'm haunted by it? <laughs> I love that that's where medicine was back then. <laughs> it's like, my indigestion definitely causes hallucinations. Yeah, dude, you ate bad cheese. Get over it. <laughs> like, like, when I eat bad cheese, I just poop weird. Like, I definitely don't have hallucinations. <laughs> Or I'm eating the wrong bad cheese. If you know where to get bad cheese that makes me hallucinate, you send that my way. <laughs> Again, find our find Campfire Classics podcast anywhere and contact us. <laughs> Hallucinating cheese, welcome. <laughs> uh, there is actually a, a British blue cheese. Oh, the blue Stilton. Yeah, there's a, a yeah. blue Stilton, a, a specific variety that if you have it before bedtime. Well, there, maybe that's what they were all eating. <laughs> 
Everybody has blue cheese before bed in England, and that's why they all think there are ghosts everywhere. Yeah, everyone look that up. That's a real thing. Like, if, apparently if you eat enough of it because of the kind of mold or algae that, or like whatever forms on this cheese that makes it blue Stilton, and I've had it. My dad, we love blue Stilton in mm-hmm. the Waller household. Uh, but if you eat a certain amount of it before you go to bed, you are more likely to have incredibly vivid and like, like, hallucinative like dreams almost. Yeah. So. It's uh if if I remember correctly, it's they say somewhere between two and four ounces mm-hmm. and it works best if you have if you're on an empty stomach. Yeah. I want to hallucinate cheese. Hallucinating well and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hallucinating cheese. In other words, I told my wife, who laughed at me, and my doctor, who laughed also, and assured me that my health was quite unnecessarily robust. At the same time, he suggested that change of air and scene does wonders for the delusions that exist merely in the imagination. He also told me, in answer to a direct question, that he would stake his reputation on the certainty that I was not going mad. Well, because mad people don't know they're going mad. (laughs) Well, we went up to London as usual for the season, and though nothing whatever occurred to remind me in any way of that single moment on Christmas Eve, the reminding was seen to all right. The moment itself took care of that, for instead of Fading, as is the way of sleeping or waking dreams, it grew every day more vivid, and ate, so to speak, like some corrosive acid into my mind, etching itself there. And to London succeeded Scotland. I took last year, for the first time, a small forest up in Sutherland called Glen Callan. Mm, that sounds remote. like a good scotch. It really does. <laughs> Glen Callan. <laughs> Very remote and wild, but affording excellent stalking. It was not far from the sea, and the gillies used always to warn me to carry a compass on the hill, because sea mists were liable to come up with frightful rapidity, and there was always a danger of being caught by one and of having perhaps to wait hours till it cleared again. This, at first, I always used to do, but as everyone knows, any precaution that one takes, which continues to be unjustified, gets gradually relaxed, and (laughs) at the end of a few weeks, since the weather had been uniformly clear, it was natural that as often as not... My compass remained at home. Big no-no. Yep. <laughs> it's like, a bear has never attacked my tent before, so I'm just going to leave all this food sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the night the grizzly bear ate your face. <laughs> oh, that was a bad night. Yeah. I don't like it when my face gets eaten by grizzly bears. Yeah. It's not nearly as fun as... I prefer black bear. <laughs> Well, really, anything. There are a few things that are not <laughs> like, more fun than having my face eaten by a grizzly. Yeah. Well, that's why you put your food away and you always bring your compass. I, w- I would argue that a a debilitating bout of diarrhea is more fun than having your face eaten by a grizzly bear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would argue that having your face eaten by an anaconda is better than a grizzly bear because you would be eaten whole... So you just, you'd be dead pretty quick. Whereas a grizzly bear, you'd probably eat your face, but you're not going to die right away. You're going to feel all that. Yeah. 
rather be swallowed whole by an anaconda than my face eaten by a grizzly bear. <laughs> All things being equal, I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather neither of them happen, but, you know. Just moral of the story, bring your compass. <laughs> One day, the stalk took me onto a part of my ground that I had seldom been on before, a very high tableland on the limit of my forest, which went down very steeply on one side to a lock that lay below it, and on the other, by gentler gradations, to the river that came from the lock, six miles below which stood the lodge. The wind had necessitated our climbing up, or so my stalker had insisted, Ew, not what? by the easier way, St um, stalker is like a guide. Yeah. But that sounds really creepy in a ghost story. Yeah. My stalker recommended I take this route. You know what? So I did it. Don't listen to your stalker when they tell you where to go. <laughs> Not by the easier way, but up the crags from the lock. I had argued the point with him, for it seemed to me that it was impossible that the deer could get our scent if we went by the more natural path, but he still held to his opinion, and therefore, since after all, this was his part of the job, I yielded. I trusted this guy knew what the fuck he was talking about. Again, something you just don't do. Just don't ever rely on anybody else. They don't Once know what they're talking by. about. Do it yourself. Don't rely on others. People are only out to screw you or they're idiots. Pretty much. <laughs> A dreadful climb we had of it over big boulders with deep holes in between masked by clumps of heather. Oh my god, I'm in the story. Why are you always masking the holes between boulders? <laughs> I'm, I'm masking the deep holes. <laughs> clumps of me are masking deep holes. Swarms of you, in Swarms fact. Swarms of me. That is the most accurate description of me ever in a story. I love when we go to Scotland because I usually turn up. Oh, sorry. It was clumps of heather. You uh, Swarms come later. Oh, oh, okay. So it is, it's clumps of me. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that a wary eye and a prodding stick were necessary <laughs> for each step. Um... I to, would argue that you if you're around stick. me, you need a prodding stick. You need you need a <laughs> stick to prod through the clumps of heather to get into the hole. Heather, um, if you're around me, uh, I actually put this in my Tinder profile. Uh, you should bring a wary eye and a prodding stick on the date. <laughs> Adders also literally swarmed in the heather. Oh no! Wait, are those snakes? Yep. I got snakes in my hole? Yep. <laughs> I got snakes in my hole and I won't go. I got snakes in my hole and I won't go. That's, that's a song. But I, it, I changed the words. Cool, keep going. <laughs> I got snakes in my hole and I won't go. Going down the deep holes, no I won't go. Stick prodding in, yeah, no I won't go. <laughs> yeah. You, is, you, are you good? The look Ken's giving me right now. It's it's absolute delight. I just don't know what to do with it. I got I got nothing. All I know is that I got snakes in my hole. And got, you won't go. And I won't go. We must have seen a dozen at least on our way up. I got a dozen snakes in my hole and I won't go. Or snakes in your dozen holes. Oh my god. And adders are a beast for which I have no manner of use. But a couple of hours saw us to the top, 
only to find that the stalker had been utterly at fault, and that the deer must quite infallibly have got wind of us if they had remained in the place where we last saw them. That, when we could spy the ground again, we saw had happened. In any case, they had gone. The man insisted the wind had changed, a palpably stupid excuse, and I wondered at that moment what other reason he had, for reason I felt sure there must be, for not wishing to take what would clearly now have been the better route. But this piece of bad management did not spoil our luck, for within an hour we had spied more deer, and about two o'clock I got a shot killing a heavy stag. Then, sitting on the heather, I ate lunch. I got a man sitting on my face now. <laughs> making lunch in the afternoon. With the stag, yeah, up in the mountains, Do -do -do. sitting on my face. <laughs> and enjoyed a well-earned bask and smoke in the sun. The pony, meantime, had been saddled with the stag and was plodding homewards. The morning had been extraordinarily warm, with a little wind blowing off the sea which lay a few miles off, sparkling beneath a blue haze, and all morning, in spite of our abominable climb, I had had an extreme sense of peace, so much so that several times I had probed my mind, so to speak, to find if the horror still lingered there, but I could scarcely get any response from it. Never since Christmas had I been so free of fear, and it was with a great sense of repose, both physical and spiritual, that I lay looking up into the blue sky, watching my smoke whirls curl slowly away into nothingness. But I was not allowed to take my ease long, for Sandy came and begged that I would move. The weather had changed, he said, the wind had shifted again, and he wanted me to be off this high ground and on the path again as soon as possible, because it looked to him as if a sea mist would presently come up. And yon's a bad place to get down in the mist, he added, <laughs> nodding towards the crags we had come up. I looked at the man in amazement, for to our right lay a gentle slope down to the river, and there was now no possible reason for again tackling those hideous rocks up which we had climbed this morning. More than ever, I was sure that he had some secret reason for not wishing to go the obvious way. But about one thing, he was certainly right, the mist was coming from the sea, and I felt in my pocket for the compass and found I had forgotten to bring it. Nope. Then there followed a curious scene which lost us time that we could really ill afford to waste. I insisting on going down by the way that common sense directed, he imploring me to take his word for it that the crags were the better way. Eventually, I marched off to the easier descent and told him not to argue any more but follow. What annoyed me about him was that he would only give the most senseless reasons for preferring the crags. There were mossy places, he said, on the way I wished to go, a thing patently false since the summer had been one spell of unbroken weather. Or it was longer, also obviously untrue. 
or there were so many vipers about. Why are so many snakes on this fucking mountain? Scotland has lots of snakes. They got vipers, they got adders, they got is fucking... It? Are they the same? Or is that is that where... No, St. Patrick was in was Ireland. Ireland. So... Yeah, so St. Patrick got rid of all the snakes in Ireland and, and moved them, them to Scotland. Scotland. That's why Ireland and the UK have such anger. Okay, yeah. okay, now it makes sense. That's why Scotland and Ireland didn't always get along. Yep. Because St. Patrick threw all the snakes into the, into the heather. Picked them, picked them all up and forcibly <laughs> threw them into the Scottish heather. <laughs> well, you know, explains a lot. <laughs> but seeing that none of these arguments produced any effect, at last he desisted and came after me in silence. Oh, we were not yet half down when the mist was upon us, shooting up from the valley like the broken water of a wave, and in three minutes we were enveloped in a cloud of fog so thick that we could barely see a dozen yards in front of us. It was therefore another cause for self-congratulation that we were not now, as we should otherwise have been, precariously clambering on the face of those crags up which we had come with such difficulty in the morning, and I was rather prided myself on my powers of generalship in the matter of direction. I continued leading, feeling sure that before long we should strike the track by the river." If I was listening to this story at the Christmas party and be like, um, excuse me, can we get intermission? Because my eggnog is empty. Um, I need some more. Also, they spent the morning coming up crags, which I just need to point out. <laughs> coming up crags, coming up crags. More than all, the absolute freedom from fear elated me. Since Christmas, I had not known the instinctive joy of that. I felt like a schoolboy home for the holiday. But the mist grew thicker and thicker. And whether it was that real rain clouds had formed above it, or that it was of an extraordinary density itself, I got wetter in the next hour than I have ever been before or since. The wet seemed to penetrate oh. the skin and chill the very bones. Oh, damn! Oh, he's so wet up there in the heather. Wetter than he's ever been. No wonder he's coming up the crags. Coming up the crags and wetter than he's ever been. And still there was no sign of the track for which I was making. I don't know. It sounds like you found where you were going just mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> Behind me, muttering to himself, followed the stalker, <laughs> but his arguments and protestations were dumb, and it seemed as if he kept close to me, as if afraid. Now, there are many unpleasant companions in this world. I would not, for instance, care to be on the hill with a drunkard or a maniac. But worse than either, I think, is a frightened man because his trouble is infectious. And insensibly, I began to be afraid of being frightened, too. Uh oh. From that, it is but a short step to fear. 
Other perplexities, too, beset us. At one time, we seemed to be walking on flat ground. At another, I felt sure we were climbing again, whereas all the time we ought to have been descending unless we had missed the way very badly indeed. Also, for the month was October, it was beginning to get dark, and it was with a sense of relief that I remembered that the full moon would rise soon after sunset. Uh-oh, now but I gotta watch out for werewolves, too. I mean, fuck. It had grown much colder, and soon, instead of rain, we found that we were walking through a steady fall of snow. Oh, burr. Things were pretty bad. But then for a moment they seemed to mend, for far away to the left I suddenly heard the brawling of the river. It should, it is true, have been straight in front of me, and we were perhaps a mile out of our way, but this was better than the blind wandering for the last hour, and turning to the left I walked towards it. But before I had gone a hundred yards I heard a sudden choked cry behind me, and just saw Sandy's form flying as if in a terror of pursuit into the mists. I called to him, but got no reply, and heard only the spurned stones of his running. Oh my god. What had frightened him, I had no idea, but certainly with his disappearance, the infection of his fear disappeared also, and I went on, I may almost say, with gaiety. (laughs) He's like... Oh, I wonder what scared that guy so much for him to scream everlasting hell into the night. Eh, whatever, it's okay. At least he's gone now. At least I don't have images from that Christmas Eve last year. <laughs> da, 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 da. On the moment, however, I saw a sudden, well-defined blackness in front of me, and before I knew what I was doing, I was half stumbling, half walking up a very steep grass slope. During the last few minutes, the wind had got up, and the driving snow was peculiarly uncomfortable. But there had been a certain consolation in thinking that the wind would soon disperse these mists, and I had nothing more than moonlight to walk home. But as I paused on this slope, I became aware of two things. One, that the blackness in front of me was very close. The other, that whatever it was... It sheltered me from the snow. So, I climbed on a dozen yards into its friendly shelter, for it seemed to me to be friendly. Oh my god, is he going to find the things he saw in his vision like ten months earlier? A wall, some twelve feet high, crowned the slope, and exactly where I struck it, there was a hole in it, or door, rather through which a little light appeared. He's finding the Keebler elves. <laughs> They're Wondering, baking cookies. I think you would have noticed the smell. He's too distracted. It's the mist. All he can smell is the salt, the salty air. <laughs> Wondering at this, I pushed on, bending down, for the passage was very low, and in a dozen yards came out on the other side. Just as I did this, the sky suddenly grew lighter. The wind, I suppose, having dispersed the mists, and the moon, though not yet visible through the flying skirts of cloud, made sufficient illumination. I was in a circular enclosure, and above me there projected from the walls some four feet from the ground broken stones which must have been intended 
to support a floor. Then, simultaneously, two things occurred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The whole of my nine months' terror came back to me, for I saw that the vision in the garden was fulfilled. And at the same moment, I saw stealing towards me a little figure as of a man, but only about three foot six in height. Ah. That my eyes told me. My ears told me that he stumbled on a stone. My nostrils told me that the air I breathed was of an overpowering foulness. And my soul told me that it was sick unto death. So they were baking. They were just not good cookies. They were just really bad They were bakers. like deer poop, deer poop cookies. <laughs> Which seems on the surface like a really poor choice of ingredients. But if you go deeper in... It's a really <laughs> terrible choice of ingredients. <laughs> Deeper into the deep holes of the deer poop. <laughs> deer poop cookies. <laughs> I think I tried to scream, but could not. I know I tried to move and could not, and it crept closer. Then I suppose the terror which held me spellbound so spurred me that I must move, for next moment I heard a cry break from my lips and was stumbling through the passage. I made one leap of it down the grass slope and ran as I hope never to have to run again. What direction I took I did not pause to consider, so long as I put distance between me and that place. Luck, however, favored me, and before long I struck the track by the river, and an hour afterwards reached the lodge. Next day I developed a chill, and as you know, pneumonia laid me on my back for six weeks. Well... That is my story. Yeah. <laughs> and there are many explanations. You may say I fell asleep on the lawn and was reminded of that by finding myself under discouraging circumstances in an old Pict's castle, where a sheep or goat that, like myself, had taken shelter from the storm was moving about. Yes, there are hundreds of ways in which you can explain it. But the coincidence was an odd one, and those who believe in second sight might find an instance of their hobby in it. And that is all? I asked. Yes. It was nearly too much for me. I think the dressing bell has sounded. The end. Ew! <laughs> so I think it was like he had, well, yeah, because like I believe, so I believe deja vu is like when you've dreamt something or like had like a vision of it or like, you know, I often dreamed because like mm -hmm. vision is a weird word for people to think where dreams people. I, when you have, I think, um, what I think deja vu is, is you've either had a dream or like in a previous life, if you've even that, it's happened. And then when you have it again, it's like, ugh. this guy had a like vision or a dream or a uh, like a premonition that he would stumble upon these demon demon creatures i don't know what they were <laughs> i little, i, I think elves trolls. like i think elves trolls like you know that's yeah. what they sound like um i wonder what happened to sandy <laughs> 
Sandy the stalker ran away. Yeah, he clearly does not like that little cave. No. He's freaked well, out he, by it. Well, clear, yeah, the, the locals didn't even all walk by it. So clearly it sounds like it's something real or yeah. at least folklore like doesn't like that cave, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, yeah, that's gross. Yeah. And then he got pneumonia because of it. That sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Which can happen when you're walking around in the cold. Yeah. But if he just listened to Sandy, they probably would have not forgotten his compass, like again. (laughs) Or just don't go around shooting deer. (laughs) Yes. That was just karma for shooting a stag. (laughs) That was, that was karma for shooting Bambi's dad. I've always liked the idea that deja vu, this is veering wildly away from the story and mm-hmm. no longer has anything to do with it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've always liked the idea that deja vu is kind of the universe telling you that you're on the right path. You're in the right place at the right time. That, I like, like that one too. That if if you feel like you're experiencing this thing again, it's because the universe is really like trying to hammer home that this is where you belong. Yeah. No, I've said that too. Like, and and that's why I think like if you've dreamt it, it was the universe saying... If you're in the right place, you're going to experience this, like in reality. And then when you feel that, oh, I'm in the right place at the right time, it's because it's because all things aligned correctly. Um, But for him, I I would be like, why'd you do that to me, Deja Vu? (laughs) (laughs) You could have you could have steered me the other way, possibly, unless that pneumonia was just like a really well, like much needed six week rest or something. Sometimes you just need to lie on your back for six weeks. Sometimes you just got to be tired and like yeah. be like, mm, wait on me and then we'll have the Christmas party and I'll tell the scary story. <laughs> so, hey, listener, um, what do you think Deja Vu is? Mm. And even better, extra points, do you have any specific cool deja vu stories? Or stories where you dreamed about something and then it happened? Yeah, like where you had a vision of something and then you feel like you stumbled upon it. Yeah. If you have those stories, please share them with us at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or uh, shoot them to any of our social media. We've got Instagram and Facebook and Twitter Again, and all those things. Google Campfire Classics Just, Podcast and you'll yeah. find all the things. Yeah. So let us know either what you think uh, deja vu is, why it happens. Um, if you happen to have the scientific explanation, that'd be cool too. Uh, or your own little premonition yeah. stories. I have a lot of deja vu, but I'm like trying to think of ones right now. Like they, they happen in the moment and mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, I just had deja vu. Whoa. I don't remember a ton of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, but mm-hmm. I have that. I have it a lot. Uh, when you send us those stories, please include this week's secret passcode, which is clumps of Heather. <laughs> I've made it. I'm finally <laughs> in the secret passcode. <laughs> Heather is lowercase in this case. Uh, or is it? Or is it? I think. Um, Listener, you tell us. You tell us. Is Heather capitalized? Is Heather capitalized or lowercase? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's see what we get. Do you know why it's called lowercase and uppercase? No. It's because <laughs> it's it's from the days of the printing press. Oh. They they would literally, all of the capital letters would be kept in a case higher, higher on the shelf the- because... The, the, the lowercase letters, the not yeah. capital letters, got used a lot more. So they needed them on the lower shelf because it was easier to reach them. Oh, so I love lowercase, that. uppercase. Uppercase. I like that. Yep. That makes fucking that's, sense. That's it. It's as I knew it had that. something to do with a printing press. Yep. I knew it had something to do. <laughs> I was like, I was like, huh, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, 
that's all I've got for this one. Do you have anything to share before we sign off? No. Merry freaking holidays. <laughs> Merry holidays. Merry ghost story holiday for you. <laughs> and until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I got Heather in my head and she won't go. I got Ken in my head and they won't go. Until I turn this podcast off, they won't go. Good night. <laughs>